Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in the sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. This episode is sponsored by the International Institute of Ayurveda. IIA is based in Northern California and Tuscany, Italy, offering both Ayurvedic education and clinical Ayurveda. For those interested in pursuing a career in Ayurveda, the Certified Ayurvedic Practitioner course begins in January 2022. This 1,500-hour, two-year intensive training is capped at 10 students to ensure that our future practitioners are given individualized mentorship and guidance by some of Ayurveda's top professionals today. For inquiries regarding either the school or the clinic, please email reception at iiayurveda.com. That's reception at iiayurveda.com. Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I welcome you to episode 14, The Medicinal Properties of Herbs and Spices. I'm here today speaking with Mary Alice Quinn. Mary Alice is a National Ayurvedic Medical Association peer-reviewed Ayurvedic doctor and clinical herbalist serving clients both nationally and internationally since 2004. She is a senior instructor for the California College of Ayurveda and the International Integrative Educational Institute's professional training programs. She currently resides in Sacramento, California, where she has an active private practice blending Ayurvedic nutritional therapies and daily rhythms, as well as personalized herbal remedies and body therapies to assist her clients in achieving and maintaining healthy, satisfying, and balanced lives. She was also my instructor for my Ayurvedic health counseling program through the California College of Ayurveda. Hello, Mary Alice, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sherry. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to speaking on this topic in particular because I feel like it's a real missing piece in the holistic healing puzzle that often gets overlooked. It really is. And it's probably one of the most important pieces of the puzzle. And yet I have to admit myself that I have limited knowledge on this topic. So um, of herbs and spices and their medicinal properties and and uses. Um, So I'm very excited to share this information with everybody too. Mm. Um, So I'm just going to say right now, if anyone wants to get their notebooks and a pen, and you might want to jot down some of this very important information that Mary Alice is going to share with us today. So um, I'm going to start just by saying um, herbs and spices in a, as, as a medicinal uh, treatment um, is, is important to me. And, and I'm just throwing this out there in um in our Western society and culture, especially, um, we use so many pharmaceuticals to treat illness 
and disease, but so many of those drugs have very harmful side effects. Mm. And it's almost ends up being counterproductive. And then to find out that nature has so many safe and effective alternatives is kind of a life changer. So, uh, let's, let's dive right in and, um, and start to talk about this. Um, how exactly does Ayurveda see herbs and spices? You know, it's a good question because, um, in our culture, we think of medicine as medicine, right? Pharmaceuticals. Um, and then we think of food as food, things that we eat in order to provide us nutrition or maybe pleasure, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> um, but Ayurveda sees, uh, herbs and spices as food, um, and your food as your medicine, right? And so there's very little distinction in Ayurveda between that's medicine and that's food. Your food is your medicine. Your medicine is your food and food includes all plants, including herbs and spices. Right. Mm. Um, And so it's true that we do have a real serious issue on our hand in that we've been conditioned to believe that ailments require pharmaceuticals in order to treat them. But unfortunately, we all know by now that the vast majority of those pharmaceuticals are designed to just allow the disease process to continue on and make us feel a little bit more comfortable while that's happening. Right. Masking Mm -hmm. symptoms, for example. Right. Um, and as you point out, they really create a lot of side effects that are very detrimental. Um, one thing that we are not really paying attention to um, are the extreme nutritional deficiencies that are caused by many pharmaceuticals. Whereas if we look at herbs and spices, um, they don't provide a lot in the way of calories and you know um, grams of fat and protein, et cetera. But what they do provide are phytonutrients. Um, these are the things that we have yet to discover, the health benefits we know, um, but exactly what they are and how they work, that's still being worked out. But my point is, is that not only do plants provide nutrition to the body, um, but they also provide a whole host of other phytochemicals that are healing in it of themselves, if not preventative um, for major diseases. So what we see is these herbs and spices have side benefits not side effects. Very, very few instances are we going to see any major side effects from herbs and spices. But what we are going to see are side benefits. So you might be taking something, let's say, for improving your digestion, um, but yet it helps your body with detoxification. It helps you with um, uh, circulation, right? Helps to reduce pain in the body. All kinds of other side benefits. So that's why we want to look at our herbs and spices as another food category that we can add into our diet. Wow. That's fascinating. Instead of side effects, you're getting side benefits instead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unbelievable, but still treating the imbalance. That's right. That's right. And if Ayurveda would first say, let's try to prevent that in the first place. And right. that's what bringing the herbs and spices in, in on a daily basis will really help to accomplish. And look, let's face it, many of us are not as fortunate to come into this wisdom early enough in our life where we may have had the opportunity to prevent diseases, and that's okay. We can get our health back, 
right? right. But um, whenever possible, if we can start to incorporate these in as part of our daily experience, then we can also work towards preventing that suffering in the first place. Wow. Yeah, that's why it's so important to get the word out there and to spread this wisdom so that we can help people feel better and give them the knowledge to make decisions for themselves as well. Yes. And not maybe be so reliant on an outside source all the time, but maybe maybe learn to tune in and turn in and listen to our own body's wisdom. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, when we speak um, on on herbal medicine, um, there are different forms of herbal medicine or different forms that the herbs are used. Can you speak on that? Absolutely. Um, So within the world of herbalism, um, we have different preparations. Um, So we have the plants, um, which primarily we're working with herbs and spices. Um, And there is some technical botanical distinction between those. Um, Herbs generally are herbaceous leaves, um, whereas spices are usually the barks or the seeds or the roots of plants. Right. But essentially, they're the same thing and they're used um, in uh, essentially the same ways. But the preparation may be different depending upon the plant part that we're using. So we have uh, teas, which we all know what tea is. You basically take usually an herb and you steep it in water for some period of time and you drink the liquid. That's what a tea is. In herbalism, there is a more technical term. It's called an infusion, but it's basically a tea. And we also have decoctions, which is a similar preparation, but for um, denser plant parts. So for the barks and for the roots, we need to extract those medicinal properties into the water. And to do that, we have to simmer those spices in the water for a period of time. Right. But basically, there's liquid preparations, right? We have infusions and we have decoctions. Um, We also have extracts using various um, mediums, usually alcohol, um, that also will extract those plant compounds. And so those are called tinctures. Um, And then we have just the plants themselves usually ground to a powder that we can put into a capsule or we can um, take just in water or stir it into some um, food and consume it in any way that you can get it in. All right. So those now, are the various. Are the, cap- are the capsules, is there a difference in potency in the preparation then? Would a tea be maybe a little bit less intense than a mm. capsule or not necessarily? Really good question. There's a lot of confusion around um, of potency and dosing, especially when it comes to the form of herbal medicine that we're consuming. So the thing to keep in mind is that all forms of herbal medicine are d- dose dependent, or I should say the effects of all forms of herbal medicine are dose dependent. Um, and so we have to look at that particular preparation and find out, is this an appropriate preparation for this particular type of plant, especially thinking about what it is that we're trying to extract from that plant. Are these compounds water soluble? Are they fat soluble? Do they even dissolve or extract an alcohol to begin with? Right. But then we have to look at how much of that substance we're consuming. Right. And so, um, there are many herbs that are relatively low in their potency, let's say. And so the dose is a lot higher. Mm. And so it's more practical to take that, let's say, in a infusion, like a tea, 
as opposed to in capsules, because the amount of capsules that you would have to consume in order to the, get the equivalent amount of potency that you would get from a tea is just m more of a benefit, right? right? And so what I mean is that, like, let me give you a perfect example. Right. Um, so we have a, a very famous herb in Ayurveda, it's called Gotu Kola. Um, and Gotu Kola is um, such a beautiful herb because it works on the mind, um, the, uh, the brain and the nervous system. It enhances cognition. There's lots of other uses for this herb, um, but that's one of its main claims to fame is for enhancing intelligence, memory, concentration, focus, etc. Um, because it's a very flimsy salad-like kind of an herb, if you want to get really therapeutic action from this, you've got to either take a lot of that herb or you can infuse it into hot water, make a tea, um, and then you can just drink that tea. So 30 grams, which is an ounce of herb material, would be a typical amount that we would put into usually about a quart of water and let that steep for an extended period of time, like an hour minimum or overnight. Oh, then wow. we strain out that herb and we drink that liquid. Now, if we wanted to get the same amount of go-to cola that we just extracted into a couple of cups of water in capsule form, mm -hmm. that would be somewhere usually around 40 capsules. Right. Okay. Is the average person gonna consume 40 capsules or a couple cups of tea? Right. right. Got it. And so those Got are it. equivalent doses, right? You're getting the same amount of go-to cola, whether you're taking it in the infusion versus the capsule. But in this particular case, it's just more practical to take it as a tea. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So we yeah. do have to learn about the different uh, forms of herbal medicine. And we also have to know which of the herbs are going to work best or be um, most effective in what forms. Got it. Okay, perfect. So when we speak of um, energetics, mm -hmm. so in the simplest, in the simplest of explanation, um, more speaking of energetics or qualities of something in Ayurveda, so much is based on, you know, is it hot or cold or, um, smooth or rough, or, you know, there's so many different qualities to, uh, treatments and understanding the imbalance, but in herbal and spice medicine, can you speak to energetics a little, a little bit more, um, specific? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, Ayurveda is an energetic system of medicine. Right. And so we are basically saying that everything is based upon those qualities that you're talking about, whether a substance is heating or cooling, whether it's moistening or drying, whether it provides more heaviness or density or is more anabolic or building to the body or whether it's light and purifying and reducing to the body. Right. And so that's really what the energetics uh, are based on. Um, Ayurveda gets really specific. As you've been studying, you know that it, you can go way, way, way far down into the minutia. Um, but when we talk about energetics in Ayurveda, um, there are three basic things that we look at. We first look at the taste of the substance, right? Mm -hmm. And there are six basic tastes, sweet, sour, salty, pungent, bitter, and astringent. So mm -hmm. we want to know, is this herb or spice more pungent? Is it more bitter? Is it sweet? Because that's going to tell us whether it's 
heavy or light, whether it's more anabolic or catabolic, right? Whether it's more building or detoxifying, what it actually promotes or supports, right? Just the taste alone will tell us so much about right. that substance. And then we look at the second thing, which is whether that substance is actually heating or cooling in nature, right? So things in nature have their own qualities or characteristics, right? And so it probably doesn't take a lot of convincing to tell you uh, chili peppers are heating, right? <laughs> Versus um, cucumbers are cooling, right? You didn't have to go to school to study that. Now we reinforced that through your studies, but you knew that through your life experience, right? right. So right. Ayurveda just observes nature and looks at whether a substance is going to be more heating or more cooling. And that's going to tell us whether or not that's going to work for us or against us, depending upon if we are excessively hot or excessively cold, right? Um, and then the very last bit of detail with energetics is whether that substance is actually more building to the tissues over time or if it's more purifying and reducing to the tissues over time. Right. So we look at taste, which is called rasa. We look at virya, which is heating or cooling potency. And we look at vipaka, which is what is the effect on the body uh, over time. Right. And that will tell us whether that substance is your medicine or not. Got it. Got it. So really you have to start um, at the base with, a, with an Ayurvedic consultation mm. to determine the person's Prakruti or original constitution, their Vikruti or their current imbalance and their symptoms. Right. Absolutely. And then start to create a herbal or spice blend or treatment mm. plan based mm. on the imbalance. Is that, is that right? That's right. That's right. Um, that would be the most formal approach, right? Mm. That we know who this person is, right? What's their underlining constitution, which tells us a lot about their tendencies, right? What are going to be their tendencies towards digestion and sleep, um, detoxification, right? Nervous system um, balance, all of that will be uh, predicted by a person's constitution. Mm -hmm. But then the most important thing is where are you now, right? right? Where are all of us now in this moment? What are we experiencing right now? Are we showing signs of dryness and coldness and lightness? Right, that might show up in the form of dry skin and constipation and insomnia, right? Mm -hmm. um, that is going to really determine the treatment, right? That's going to determine what it is that we are going to recommend in order to offset all of those qualities, right? So somebody who's cold, light and dry dealing with all of those symptoms that we experienced, they're going to need more warmth in their diet. And that can come very effectively through herbs and spices. Right? Mm. They also may need more moisture, right? And they also may need more density or more um, uh, heavy quality within their diet, right? Mm. And that's really how we use energetics of foods and herbs is in order to balance the person in their current state. Right. Perfect. And so even if a person, you know, doesn't have all of those details, we can just start to tune in. Right. Which you talk about so much on your podcast is just being aware of your own body and mm -hmm. starting to sense, you know, am I feeling overheated? Do I have cold hands and feet all the time? Right. right? And once we start to tune into those qualities, 
whether we're feeling hot or cold or moist or dry or heavy or light, then we can start to learn about which are the remedies that are going to offset those qualities and bring us comfort and um, essentially healing. Yeah. 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 That's, it's, it's really so fascinating. Um, the, um, and, and so in Ayurveda, we speak so much about digestion and about the di- digestive system and that really health or illness or balance versus imbalance really begins in the digestion or the, the Agni, the digestive fire. Yes. So can you speak to that just briefly, how, how everything starts in, in the digestive uh, system, how well it's working or how, how it's not working and how that then um, branches out to the formation of our tissues or datus and um, and then we'll get into uh, the spices and herbs that people have right in their own kitchen and mm. the effect that's going to have on their digestive system or how, how well their digestion is operating. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Ayurveda is famous for saying that all disease begins in the gut, right? All disease begins within the digestive system. Um, and that is being uh, really proven through modern research, especially as we now look at uh, the, the details within that and we see the microbiome and how much that is really in charge more than anything else. But it's an interaction between the microbes and your nervous system and the actual organs of your digestive uh, system. But essentially what we're saying is the ability for you to break down and extract those nutrients and then take those nutrients into your body and use that in order to produce energy and to build tissue and to repair tissue is dependent upon how well that system is working, right? Um, And so Ayurveda has a metaphor for understanding our digestion. We call it Agni, which means fire. Right? And so we call it our digestive fire because the, uh, the sages of yesterday were able to really tune into the body and see that it is a system that requires a great amount of heat and acidity in order to cook the food right, and to extract those nutrients. Um, and so that really will determine how much nutri- nu- nutrition you have um, coming into the body, but also just the health and the integrity of the gut lining itself is so critical to our overall health. Whether we are breaking down um, those substances within our food, most notably we can talk about proteins, um, because if we have undigested or partially digested protein fragments coming in to the bloodstream across an unhealthy gut lining, um, then that sets us up for a whole host of uh, uh, potential conditions from allergies to autoimmune conditions. So Mm -hmm. the more that we get into looking at the disease process, right? Not just looking at, okay, this is a disease that we've named and let's come up with a treatment or a pharmaceutical in order to address it. But we look at the pathophysiology of it. How did this actually happen in the first place? Mm -hmm. What's the progression of it? We see that so much of our modern day diseases come back to the health of the gut. Right. right now, knowing your constitution is helpful because it's going to give you a uh, 
uh, some insight into what your tendencies will be. Will you tend to have um, really um, fast metabolism, hot uh, metabolism that um, rate that may uh, require you to eat very consistently, um, nu nutrient dense foods um, in order to keep your blood sugar and your mood stable? Um, or do you have a slow kind of sluggish uh, digestive capacity uh, where you tend towards feeling like things are just not being processed. You feel kind of heavy, maybe even sleepy after you eat or sluggish. You might have some weight gain along with that. Um, or do you have kind of erratic digestion, right? Is it all over the place? You tend to have gas and bloating and constipation and belching. Um, and um, those tendencies will be important to pay attention to because we want to make sure that we're not uh, ignoring even the most subtle of signs of imbalance. Um, but we are constantly addressing what is uh, presenting itself so that we can optimize digestion, so that we can have the formation of healthy tissues, and maybe even more importantly, so that we can detoxify uh, efficiently and effectively. Right. And so in that, when you're looking at digestion specifically, um, the, the doshas, um, they're important, uh, for, for how you just explained, if, if you run hot, like you have a pitta strong, you know, you're made up of a lot of pitta quality mm -hmm. or, um, knowing that you will probably want to stay away from very spicy hot foods or, um, mm -hmm. things that cause, cause you to have even more heat. So it's always the opposite that you're trying to, you're trying to, uh, treat. You're always trying to use opposite right. to quiet the problem. That's right. But, but if you have, and I, I hear this a lot, a lot of, a lot of times people with pitta dosha, just say a high pitta dosha will crave hot food. Mm. Mm -hmm. They, they, what, why, why are they craving the exact, you know, that they don't need? Yeah. yeah. Why is that? It's a great question. And Ayurveda does actually help us to understand this, um, which is when we are out of balance, which, you know, let's face it, we're all living in some degree of imbalance. It's a spectrum, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But their imbalance exists. It's part of life and it's part of nature. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the more out of balance we are, you're absolutely right. We tend to crave things that will continue to perpetuate our imbalanced state because that energy is alive and well, and it all also desires expression, right? It, it is fighting for its own survival. So when you have excess pitta dosha, that pitta is like a heat seeking missile for the very thing <laughs> that's going to keep it perpetuated within your system, right? right. Um, now, interestingly enough, um, although in the beginning, when we are dealing with more significant imbalances, um, we can't always trust our instincts because we need a re-education period, not only for our conscious mind, but for our physical body. Um, and so in the beginning, what we do is we start to uh, apply things that may feel counterintuitive, if I could say it that way, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, no, I, I'm craving spicy foods. So that must mean that I really need those spicy foods. Mm -hmm. But again, that's your pitta imbalance fighting for survival, 
right? Right, right. I'm um, trying to take over, you know, the, the show. And so yeah. what we do is at first we have re-education. We bring in other things that we know that are balancing, that we know through our study of Ayurveda and historically and anecdotally and also looking at research, right? That will tell us what will ultimately be balancing for this particular situation, then a person starts to implement that. And lo and behold, what happens time and time and time again is that the more in balance we are, the more we actually start to develop aversions to those things yes. that once we craved yes. and once we longed for, yep. right? Everybody can attest to this. Yeah. Right. And so that's the beauty of Ayurveda is that we re-educate our mind and our body and our consciousness to have intelligent cravings. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, I like to give a gross example here, which is um, let's take cigarette smoking. Yeah. Um, no one's going to argue, even if we love to smoke cigarettes, no one's going to argue that it's um, going to be an, uh, an insult to your health. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the very first time most people smoke a cigarette, um, they feel awful. They start to cough and they get nauseous and dizzy and just feel horrible, which is an intelligent reaction from your body being poisoned, right? right sure. But if we ignore that and we continue to um, engage in that behavior, what happens is we have a shift in our internal environment and in our, our consciousness that then will become addicted to that substance. So no one's gonna say that a cigarette craving is an intelligent craving, right? Sure. Um, but we do know that nonetheless, we have that craving. And so we have to, again, have a period of time where we move away from that thing, that we can have a little bit more clarity to look back on it and say, you know what, that actually wasn't serving me. Um, and now I have a different relationship with that substance, right? Yeah. And that's really ultimately part of the healing yeah. process is moving back to that ultimate intelligence. Yeah. And I can speak to this as a vata predominant dosha person, mm -hmm. I am light and dry and I love dry toast, crumbly, right. dry. I, I love it. Hard, crunchy, cr crunchy, dry. It was like the worst <laughs> thing. And I, at now as, as I've studied Ayurveda and I've been into it and, and I'm understanding that I, even though I might crave it once in a while, I know that that's just not going to be a good choice for me especially in Vata season. And yeah. I'm just going to veer away from that and eat something warm and a little bit happier. Mm. And you, it's exactly what you just said. It, it really does make a turnaround once yeah. you start to understand. Um, and I, you know, I, I just get very uh, passionate about Ayurveda. Just, yes. Just but so also an experience, right? Not yeah. only understand, but you've experienced that in your own body. And yes. that's really the ticket, right? Yeah. To be able yeah. to tune in and say, you know what? It feels better to start my day with an oily bowl of oatmeal, or, right? Exactly. And when exactly. I say oily, I'm just mean like you've got, you know, um, ghee. ghee melting in there with spices, right? And it's all lubricating to your intestines, which completely calms your nervous system and pacifies that vata. And it is easy to digest so you don't wind up with all of the kind of erratic indigestion that's so typical of many of the things that we do gravitate towards refined carbohydrates that we take in every form from muffins to croissants to bagels um, and we wonder why we're not thriving in life yeah right? it's true but that's again that internal knowledge of knowing yourself and then knowing when you're feeling that shift and you're yes going start to going you know, start to becoming imbalanced and That's know right. that 
you know, I'm feeling so sluggish, you know, I'm just mm. feeling so, so, you know, no motivation. I'm just feeling sleepy and, and, you know, I've got to pick it up. I got to start eating some spicy revved up yes. foods here to yes. get me going. Exactly. So let's well, start to go. Yeah. What, one thing that I wanted to mention, which is really important is that, you know, in Ayurveda, we have a very high standard of health. Um, and that is what we want. And that's what we want to promote. And that's what we want to perpetuate. Because ultimately, we have been conditioned into believing um, that a very low standard of health um, is not only common and typical and normal, um, but is okay. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the very first thing that we have to do is to realize that um, all of the little issues that we experience throughout a day, whether it's, you know, pain or it's um, more um, uh, mental, emotional, like anxiety or depression mm -hmm. um, or indigestion or constipation or whatever it is, that this really is a communication from our body letting us know that something is off. Um, and rather than excusing it away as normal or common and typical, yep. we have to say, no, what is the gold standard of health that I want to compare myself to and work towards rather than just being complacent, right? Exactly. Yeah. Don't accept and the so, crumbs. You can do better. <laughs> you can have the whole loaf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so as we're speaking about digestion, um, I wanted to uh, speak just to everybody's probably their pantries and their their kitchens mm -hmm. and go down the list of herbs mm -hmm. spices that we have in our kitchens and kind of their effect on our digestion so that people they're probably thinking oh how is a little cinnamon gonna you know really right well I, I hope that we can speak to that. So I, I made a little list here of common spices and herbs that we have in our in our homes. Awesome. And maybe we could just, you know, run down the list just to start to tune in uh, yes. about them. So the first one is fresh ginger. Mm, great one. Absolutely. Um, let me mention that uh, I said this earlier, which is that um, herbs and spices is one of the... Um, most efficient categories, food categories within our diet. So the very first thing that I want to encourage everyone to do is um, to develop a little bit of kitchen confidence around using herbs and spices, because it is one of those things that seems like it could be a bit intimidating, mm. but um, it's very forgiving. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, herbs and spices are very, they're, they're, they're very loving in that way, um, in that you're really not going to screw things up too bad. Yeah, that's right? a good and point. Especially, yeah. We're talking about about um, culinary use of these, which is different than therapeutic use, right? And so something as um, benign as ginger or cinnamon um, can be very serious medicines when used in the, prop in the proper doses for the proper uh, scenarios. Okay. Um, but when we're playing around with diet and recipes, really just give yourself um, the liberty of experimentation, mm -hmm. right? And come to your kitchen with curiosity um, and know that you're probably not going to screw things up too bad, right? right. Um, just getting these herbs and spices in is the first step, right? right. Um, so speaking of uh, uh, ginger, so Ayurvedic calls ginger the universal medicine for a lot of reasons. We can use it therapeutically for just about every system in the body. Um, and it also is um, uh, wonderfully balanced uh, in its energetics that allow it 
uh, to be used for a wide spectrum of different people. Mm -hmm. um, so we talk about constitutions. Um, and ginger energetically is a heating um, herb. It's technically a, a root or a rhizome. Um, but it is in its fresh form, it's not overly heating. And so all constitutions can use it. If somebody had a very significant pitha imbalance, they're dealing with a lot of heat in their system, a lot of acute inflammation, then maybe ginger is not really their remedy. Um, but that aside, even pithas can use fresh ginger um, and uh, gain benefit from it. Right. Um, so ginger is probably one of the best herbs to support digestion because it does increase your release and your production and your release of hydrochloric acid. Um, and that's actually a good thing. Um, we need uh, that acidity in order to properly digest our food, especially those harder to digest substances like proteins. Mm. Right. And so a very simple home remedy, um, you can take some fresh ginger root. Um, and we typically use a spoon to just peel away the outer skin, right, the, the, yeah. the peel. Um, and then you can slice that nice and thin, squeeze a little bit of lime and a little uh, sprinkle of salt, um, and just chew on that about 10, 15 minutes before your meal in order to increase your secretion of acid and enzymes so that you can digest your food that much better. And you'll probably notice, number one, you feel more hungry when the time comes. So this can be used for people who are dealing with, you know, a very low appetite. Let's say they don't feel genuine hunger and they are dealing with a lot of kind of stagnation and um, weight gain then we need to stoke that fire up and ginger is one of the best remedies for that but yeah. on the flip side those who have more vata tendency towards digestion gas and bloating they can also use this in order to make sure that they have enough acids and enzymes to fully process their food and gain the benefit of that uh, those nutrients beautiful now i'm a big fan of the ginger tea after mm -hmm. i have a meal yes i, I just i just I like it, but Definitely. I feel like it helps in my digestion. Am I, mm. is it, is it helping in my digestion? For sure, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. So we can use ginger prior to a meal to stoke that digestive fire, to prepare for digestion. You can use it in your food. Um, one of my favorite preparations using ginger um, is what we call Trinity roots garlic, onions, and ginger sauteed together, usually with ghee, um, and that as the base of any soup or stew or, yeah. um, you know, kind of one pot meal yeah. right? So with your food. Or then after, if you are experiencing indigestion, um, you can take these same thin slices of ginger and you can chew that, or you can have some tea. The one thing to look at after a meal is that um, we don't want to put too much liquid into the digestive process. So that would be my only note and hesitation. Yep. But otherwise, yep. sipping on some fresh ginger root that's been grated into some hot water. I really like a microplane for this. I don't know mm -hmm. if you know the microplane. A little, um, it's a great kitchen tool. For oh, I think uh, Pam Pam Pampered Chef has a... Like, yes. Yeah. Is it like a mandolin or something? Is that what it's called? Yes, but very fine little okay. um, holes that allow for you to grate um, these types of things uh, like ginger or fresh turmeric or even um, uh, to get some nice um, zest from yeah. your lemons or limes. Yeah. Okay. So, 
um, it almost like pulverizes the ginger and so that when you put it into the water it's not like chunks but you've released a lot of the juice right and right. the juice really infuses into the water and that will give a lot of that nice um uh, uh, uh pungency right sure it. and what the reason other- we don't want to have too much liquid after our meal is it dilutes the the hydrochloric acid that exactly. we need to break down the food to begin exactly. with. Exactly. You got yeah. it. No, we, we, we don't want to not have liquid in our system, sure. but that's why ideally we would take, you know, the ginger tea 10 to 15 minutes prior to digestion to hydrate, to lubricate, and to stimulate the secretion of those uh, digestive um, properties so that when we do consume our meal, we have um, the proper environment for that too. Now, just one, one more question on ginger, the, um, the sprinkle ginger like that you yes. buy as a, is there any potency left in that at all? Um, for sure. Okay. Now, um, a quality of herbs and spices is a consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is it going to be a more, let's say medicinal, um, uh, product um, if you are getting your herbs and spices from reputable suppliers, ideally organic, um, that are, you know, um, uh, selling these for uh, therapeutic and medicinal properties versus, you know, the wholesale, you know, uh, warehouse quantity that you might get, let's say from Costco, that who knows how long ago it was ground and who knows how long it's been sitting on a shelf, right? Right. So there is a difference there. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, that aside, uh, dry ginger is a little bit more heating because we've evaporated, we've dried out the water content. Okay. So fresh ginger can be used really liberally um, up to whatever comfort level a person has with, it is spicy. So with the spice that um, is inherent within ginger, vatas, pithas, and kappas, the only consideration would be super high pitta imbalances, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But dry ginger, on the other hand, because we have lost that water element, it is hotter and drier. And so much better suited for our kappas who are dealing with a lot of excess water and stagnation um, versus pithas, where it's going to be a little bit too hot and dry. And vatas, remember, warmth is balancing, but hot is imbalancing because hot is also dry and vatas they've got the dryness down right check got it i don't need any more dryness (laughs) (laughs) which is why we want to favor more of the fresh ginger for vata and more of the dry ginger for kappa conditions got it perfect hey sherry one other thing that i want to mention i'm sorry ginger is just such a beautiful remedy i um, am One of the best uses of ginger besides uh, improving digestion directly um, is it's really good for nausea, Um, motion sickness, um, nausea from really, you know, any cause, very, very good for just settling the stomach. Um, My husband has horrible uh, uh, motion sickness. So whenever he travels, um, he's getting on a plane, he's taking ginger um, in capsules in order to prepare for flight because it reduces jet lag. Um, but he's also bringing ginger tea bags with him. Um, he's smelling ginger essential oil as he's taking off and landing in order to really offset that motion sickness, which is really effective for. Wow. Okay. Good side note. Yeah. Ginger's phenomenal. (laughs) We could go on and we'd have a podcast just about ginger. It's so true. (laughs) So the next one is, um, I guess we'll stick peppermint. Yeah. Um, peppermint is an 
herb, technically, right? Because yeah. it's an herbaceous leaf. Um, peppermint has some interesting energetics. Um, we forget the pepper part of the peppermint. Um, and so there's a lot of debate historically about the energetics of peppermint, whether it is actually cooling or heating. Most ah. resources will tell you that it's cooling. But interestingly enough, in clinical practice, you'll find that um, peppermint oftentimes makes hot people a little hotter and cold people a little colder. Um, and so peppermint is one of those herbs that you kind of have to experiment with and see if it actually really gives you the benefits that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, because it may actually provide you a little bit of kind of a cooling sensation that feels really good. Unless you're already cold, then that might be too cold for you. Um, now, if you're looking for a remedy that's more reliably cooling, then yeah. you want to go to another mint, which is spearmint. Okay. Right, so nobody argues the energetics of spearmint. So if you're dealing with heat in your system, you have any inflammatory conditions, you have a tendency towards things like um, heartburn, then something like spearmint um, is very good because it's cooling to the body, even if you might take it in a hot tea. Okay. Right, and that's the beauty of energetics is that the substance imparts its personality um, into our physiology um, based upon what constituents it has. So even if you take spearmint tea that's hot and you're sipping on that, it will still have a cooling effect on the body. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. I'm glad. Okay. Turmeric. Mm. So much research about turmeric. Literally um, to date, it is the most well-researched herb on the planet. There are literally thousands of research studies that have come out in the last decade. Um, turmeric really took over the research scene for good reason, because it's showing phenomenal benefits for so many things, um, including really complicated issues like cancer. Um, there was some really beautiful research that came out of Bastyr University where they tested um, uh, a turmeric compound uh, called curcumin on a hundred different types of cancer. Um, I, you know what? As I'm saying this, I have to double check whether it was actually whole turmeric or if it was just the extract of curcumin. In either case, the um, results showed that turmeric had benefit in all types of cancer to varying degrees. Some it was a home run, others less so. But my point is, is that I, uh, um, we have known that turmeric is anti-cancer, um, but this research really does show us how dynamic turmeric really is. Now it's, we have to come to this with um, a sober perspective. And so I don't want to give the impression that somebody's going to add a couple of sprinkles of turmeric to their food to treat their cancer, right? Um, cancer is multifactorial. There's a lot of moving parts that all have to be addressed. But if we're looking towards prevention, mm -hmm. that's where getting a daily amount of turmeric into your diet is really profound because, again, we want to work towards preventing that in the first place. Right? Sure. Sure. Um, uh, turmeric has gotten a lot of uh, press about uh, inflammation, mm. um, and that is where curcumin came onto the scene. So curcumin is one compound within the whole plant that we call turmeric. Okay. Um, but keep in mind that any plant on average has about 10,000 uh, phytochemicals, curcumin being one of them. Um, and so most clinicians will um, promote the use of whole turmeric, 
not just the extract of curcumin, but whole turmeric because you get those 999,000 other compounds that nature intended right. that are not only anti-inflammatory, which that's the main claim to fame for curcumin is that it's anti-inflammatory, which is important and needed in modern time. But right. it also is anti-cancer. It also is alternative, which means that it helps to cleanse the blood. It also happens to be um, not only a hemostat, but a um, anticoagulant. Oh, wow. So hemostats are substances that stop bleed, stop blood from coming out of places where it shouldn't be, where, right. where it's pathologically coming out of. But it also works as an anticoagulant in that it keeps blood from clotting inside the body where it needs to continue to flow and move. Right. Wow. Um, so. Honestly, if we did want to do a podcast just on turmeric alone, that yeah. would be um, a, a lengthy conversation. But as far as um, digestion, we do see that it helps to support the um, the microbiome. Mm -hmm. It helps to keep a, a fertile ground of favorable microbes within your gut, which are the real digesters. Um, they're the ones we're finding that are really doing a lot of the work, breaking down, digesting and metabolizing things for us mm -hmm. so that we can actually absorb and benefit them, uh, benefit from them. Right. And so if someone's listening and thinking, well, how would I, how would I use the turmeric? Maybe they're not right. really familiar with turmeric. Yes. Um, what would be kind of a good way that they might be able to, you know, say they are experiencing some inflammation in the joints, maybe, mm. you know, something yeah. like that. How, how could they kind of use the turmeric? Yes. Um, turmeric is going to come in two basic forms. If we're talking about whole turmeric, you're going to find most of the time it's going to be dried and ground to a powder. Yeah. So that is the, the, the rhizome that has been dried out and ground and is now in a little spice jar that um, almost all Ayurvedic recipes, I shouldn't say that, but so many Ayurvedic yeah. recipes call for turmeric yep. um, because we're going to get all of these broad spectrum benefits. Um, and so turmeric um, has some water soluble and some fat soluble compounds. And so historically it was almost always prepared with food where there's going to be some fats present and usually other spices that are going to help with the absorption of that. Okay. Right. And so the best way to add turmeric into your diet really is with your food in your cooking. Okay. Um, and so there's a very um, basic um, and traditional preparation for spices. You'll see this as a step in most Ayurvedic recipes where you take a single or a combination of spices like turmeric and maybe some other things, cumin, black pepper, um, cardamom, clove, whatever. Mm -hmm you have an affinity for or the recipe calls for and you saute that in some ghee right so you get your ghee heated up not too hot but you know make just sure a quick mention about ghee yes case people don't know what it is oh well it's clarified butter mm -hmm. right and so it's butter where the water has been cooked off and the milk solids have been uh strained out so it's just the pure oil or the pure fat um, uh, uh, the essence of butter, all of the good stuff, all of yes. the things that we want. And, none and of most stores carry it now. True. Just be careful that it's organic and grass fed. Right? Amen. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Super just, important. Just wanted to make sure, cause we keep saying gay cause 
because that's right. Wonderful. <laughs> but in case people are like, what is gay? Yeah, you know? totally. So it's, it's G-H-E-E and it's really great. And you can Beautiful. find it in most, most grocery stores. That's yeah. right. Sorry, didn't mean um, to and, and again, most um, uh, Ayurvedic cookbooks will have a recipe for making your own ghee from your mm. own high quality organic butter. Right? Yes, um, yes. Which is a very, very simple process. Um, so you take that ghee, you get it heated up, um, make sure that it's, it's you know, hot. You put your spices in. You don't want them to burn once they get into that hot uh, oil, but you do want them to start to sizzle. Um, mm -hmm. And as they sizzle, a lot of those fat-soluble properties will be released into the ghee, and then that is consumed. And remember, our cells are made up of a bilayer of fats. They love things in a fatty medium. So all of the therapeutic properties of these herbs and spices are now in the, the enrobed in these fats that then your cells readily absorb, right? Nice. So it gets the therapeutic properties of those uh, herbs and spices directly in really on a cellular level. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's really the basic uh, way to consume turmeric would be the powdered turmeric that you add into your food. Um, usually you'll have some fats and some other uh, spices that will enhance the absorption of that. The other option, most grocery stores now, now I'm saying this in Northern California, right. um, but most grocery stores will carry turmeric fresh. Right. So um, you can get it just like you can get ginger root um, and some of these more exotic, um, we'll call them vegetables. And you can just chop that up and you can add it into your soups and stews and kitchenies and all of those preparations. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll have to come back and talk about turmeric all by itself. It's a super. Mm, definitely. How about, how about um, cardamom? Mm. I don't think a lot of people use cardamom, do they? It's true. Oh, it's probably it. one of the less familiar, yeah. it, it, you know, unless you um, you grew up in India or, you know, you have some, uh, you know, family exposure to many of these spices. They are a little bit less familiar to the average mm -hmm. Westerner. Yeah. Um, but cardamom um, comes in a little pod. And if you've ever eaten Indian food, you've likely come across a pod of cardamom, cardamom or two. Um, they don't even bother taking the little seeds out of the pod um, because when you cook that into food, the, um, the aromatic properties of cardamom will still infuse into your dish even without taking the seeds out of the pod. Um, but there's green uh, cardamom, which are the ones that most of us will find available in the grocery store. And then there's black cardamom, which you typically are only going to find more so in um, Indian grocery stores or Asian grocery stores. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, cardamom is quite potent in its flavor. Um, and so you'll find it used in smaller quantities usually in recipes. Um, and you'll find it a lot in sweeter preparations as opposed to, this is not 100% true, you'll find it in savory and sweet, but it's such a lovely um, spice that you'll find it in a lot of kind of baked goods. Yeah. Right, like, um, you know, um, uh, let's say cookies or sweets, yeah. right? Um, but it can go either way, which is the beautiful thing. You can combine it with other savory spices or with other sweet spices, depending upon what you're making. Um, cardamom is really good for reducing gas production. So okay. those who have a tendency for gas and bloating, um, abdominal cramping, then um, cardamom's really good for helping to expel intestinal gas and reduce a lot of that discomfort. Um, it too is used a lot for nausea. Um, so um, making it just as a tea where you have um, the ground spice 
you know, maybe just a small amount, like a fourth of a teaspoon into a cup of water that you can sip. Or of course you can have the seeds that you remove from the pod. Um, you have to crush them, right? You just kind of have to uh, crush them up to get those little black seeds out. And then you can put that into um, hot water and let that simmer for maybe 10 minutes maximum with the lid on because we want to trap those essential oils um, into your infusion and then sip on that for any kind of, um, I mentioned nausea, but also morning sickness. Um, so we'll use this for pregnant mamas and also, you know, any kind of um, um, uh, gas and bloating. Okay. And what about fennel? Mm. Fennel is another um, really versatile herb. Oh, let me just mention one other thing about cardamom Yeah, um, as it comes to mind. It helps to neutralize acids um, and caffeine. And so uh, many Ayurvedic practitioners will recommend that you add a little bit of cardamom if you are drinking coffee, um, which is something that, you know, we tend to start to look at and want to assess whether it's working for you or against you. Yeah. Um, but regardless of that, um, you can add some cardamom powder to the brewing of your coffee to help neutralize some of the acid and caffeine. Now, it's not going to take out caffeine, but it helps um, the, um, uh, the coffee to be less, uh, not only acidic, but stimulating in nature. That is a great uh, little tip. <laughs> little pro I do tip enjoy a little coffee. I do add ghee to my coffee to try to make it kinder, but now That's I'll right. add a little cardamom and I'll be yes. even kinder. Yeah, absolutely. You got it. <laughs> well, now, fennel. Um, yeah, fennel. fennel. We often hear that fennel is a cooling herb um, and that is, it's true and it's not. Um, so I want to uh, mention that when we talk about energetics, for example, we were talking about whether a substance is heating or cooling we have to realize that it's a spectrum that we're talking about. We have things that are very, very cold and we have things that are very, very hot, right? Cayenne pepper would be on the hot spectrum, very cold herbs that are bitter, like let's say gentian or golden seal would be on the other end of that spectrum, very, very cold. Okay. Fennel is in the middle. Okay. Um, it's more neutral than anything. So my point is it's not really going to cool somebody down you're not going to take any amount of fennel and feel that cold quality from it whereas with cold herbs like golden seal you will actually feel that you will be freezing on the inside if you really? take enough golden seal absolutely wow. first-hand experience so interesting um, yeah right but um so what we love about fennel is that it promotes digestion without aggravating heat in the body Right. And so that's the, the subtle distinction. It's not that it's cooling you down. It's that it's not aggravating heat. So it doesn't aggravate pitta, but yet it still supports agni or digestion. Okay. It too, I was mentioning that cardamom is often used for gas and bloating. Fennel is probably the premier gas remedy. Um, and it's so incredibly effective, which is why you find a little bowl of usually some toasted fennel seeds at the entrance or exit of any um, uh, Indian restaurant. Mm -hmm. And that's used, yes, to freshen the breath, but it is more importantly used to help to enhance digestion and reduce any indigestion. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah. It has a licorice type of a flavor. Yes. And so that black licorice. So yes. people either usually really like it or they're usually not a huge fan of it. Mm -hmm. um, but the whole plant can be used. Right. We know fennel as a vegetable um, can be 
eaten raw and cooked. Um, but then those seeds, they have a high concentration of the essential oil. Yeah. Um, and so that's what makes them so medicinal, which is why they're used effectively for reducing gas and bloating. And also they are antispasmodic in nature. That means that they help to relax the intestines so that you don't have any of that kind of um, griping type pain that's oh, usually associated with gas and Like bloating. an IBS kind of situation, but yeah, it would be absolutely. helpful on that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, yeah, um, interesting. Yeah, with IBS, there's usually often a, a large, we'll call it mind component, yeah. right? Where there's a lot of kind of, you know, stress and anxiety or stress and uh, intensity that's really affecting the digestive process. Um, yes. So that's a big part of our focus, but also doing anything we can to relax the intestines and enhance digestion, fennel would be a great choice in that regard. Wow. Now, this one might be... Um... Uh, maybe not well-known Tulsi. Mm, yes. Yeah. Tulsi. Um, I uh, drink Tulsi tea mm -hmm. because I like it. Yeah. Isn't but that what, great? Yeah. So I'm not really that familiar. I mean, yeah, I, I, I just enjoy the taste of it. That's right. Um, Tulsi is, is one of the highly regarded herbs in uh, Ayurvedic medicine, has a long history with Ayurveda, and it also is considered to be a sacred herb. Um, it's called holy basil. Yes. Um, and so that imparts an idea of it um, being very um, uh, promoting to uh, love and devotion and consciousness. Um, in fact, uh, many households in India will grow Tulsi plants um, uh, surrounding the house to receive the blessings. It also has been shown to reduce pollution directly. I mean, we know this about plants, yeah. but Tulsi has a particular ability um, to pull toxic uh, substances from uh, the earth and purify or from the air and to purify the air. Yeah. Um, in fact, the uh, people will even paint Tulsi plants on the side of their house in order to receive um, those blessings. So that um, speaks yeah. a little bit to kind of the um, spiritual nature of Tulsi. Yeah. Um, but it is a really versatile uh, herb um, because it's used for everything from enhancing digestion to um, promoting uh, awareness and focus to calming the nervous system, uh, to treating fever um, and inducing uh, diaphoresis, which is sweating in order to help um, uh, combat an in infection. So for those reasons, it is a wonderful herb to bring in on a regular basis, just as part of your lifestyle. Yeah. Like you're talking about just drinking it. And the side benefit in this case is that it also tastes really nice. It does. Um, I worked in a, a yoga studio for a long time um, and um, I brought in um, Tulsi to that uh, community. We had a big urn and every morning we would brew Tulsi so that all of the um, um, yogis could come and, you know, have a little cup of that and enjoy that because it's relatively tridoshic. Um, and we do find that it affects people differently depending upon what they need, which yeah. is the beautiful intelligence we see with herbs, where if uh, a person is feeling, let's say a little bit kind of fried and um, anxious, it has a nice subtle calming effect versus when people are feeling a little bit kind of sluggish and brain foggy, um, then it has more of this kind of opening clearing effect for that. Yeah. And it is available in supermarkets as well on the tea aisle, believe it Absolutely. or not. Yeah. Yes. It's accessible now. Um, That's right. Organic India did a really great job of bringing Tulsi into our, our um, community. <laughs> and they yeah. did 
uh, also a nice job of uh, creating so many different blends. So there's likely something that is going to appeal, whether you want it with green tea or ginger and lemon or hibiscus, right? They have exactly. so many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't remember if mine, oh, it's, it's mixed with ashwagandha. Mm. My whole CT is with, I Beautiful. Think, yeah. So, um, one last one that's common in everyone's kitchen is cinnamon, which mm. is my favorite. I just mm. love every, I put cinnamon in everything. Yes. yes but I know yes. if I, I think it's a little on the heating side, but I could be that's wrong. Right. So is it? A, okay. No, so you're absolutely right. It is mildly warming. It's not a super hot herb, but yet the heat is substantial enough that it may limit the amount that a person can use if they are dealing with excess heat already. Um, but if they're not dealing with any heat imbalances, then absolutely cinnamon is a great remedy because it too, even though we kind of dismiss it as, you know, a, a, a pumpkin spice or something that we only use, um, you know, for uh, sweet preparations, um, it also has a ton of medicinal benefits uh, to the body. So it does enhance digestion. That's one of it, its, you know, primary effects or one of its initial effects in the body. Um, but as it gets digested and absorbed into circulation, um, that warming property of cinnamon helps to enhance circulation. So it's really good for people who are dealing with cold hands and feet or vascular insufficiency that's resulting in brain fog. It's not a cognitive enhancing herb, but it enhances circulation, which means that you get more oxygen and nutrients to the tissues that need it. Right. Wow. Um, now, one advantage that cinnamon has over, let's say, uh, herbs like uh, black pepper uh, or even we mentioned cardamom, um, is that cinnamon is also um, moist in nature. Okay. It has that's one of its secondary qualities. It's warming and moist. Mm -hmm. And so most herbs that are warming are also dry in nature. Right. right. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. We just have to be aware of that and blend them and, you know, um, uh, look at how we're putting them into our food, whether we need more, you know, oils or fats. Um, however, cinnamon has that moist quality. So you get um, a, a lot of vata pacification because of the warm quality. It's not too hot. Right. And so therefore it's not dry and it has that secondary moistness to it. Mm. Um, so very good for enhancing circulation. Um, it... Um, also is um, a mild blood cleanser. So you'll get some good systemic benefits in that regard. Um, but it also tastes so wonderful, which is a real advantage that we have with so many of these things that we dismiss them as just uh, substances that are going to taste good or make our food taste better. But yet again, it comes back to this is our medicine, right? Our medicine is our food. And unlike the idea that we've been conditioned into that to eat healthy means a lot of sacrifice and eating a bunch of, you know, uh, steamed broccoli all day, Ayurveda would say, no, your food should really be enjoyable. It should be pleasing to the senses. Right. It should be something that you look forward to, yes. right? It's not a sacrifice, right? It is one of the most pleasurable things that we could do. Let's make that pleasure work for us and bring in intelligent foods that have all of these micronutrients um, that provide these medicinal benefits to us so that we don't have to be reliant upon uh, pharmaceuticals um, and the extensive suffering that is involved in that route. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I have enjoyed this episode so much. 
but there's so many other things that I want to talk about because it's <laughs> yes. such a huge area of, of well-being and uh, prevention and treatment. Mm-hmm. So I hope we can meet up again for a part two. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. because this has been just just unbelievably informational and um, it's just fun to talk about it because I mean, we all like to eat. You know? Amen. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, it's like you said before, it's, you know, not a lot of people don't um, use a lot of uh, spices when they're cooking. And so yeah. maybe we can, with all of this information, we start to change that a little bit because the spices, they enhance the taste of it. But then when you mm. know there's some really healthy properties that are also being added, it just, I think mentally it makes it um more pleasant and more pleasing. That's absolutely right. I'll add one last thing that um, will help to shift, hopefully, our relationship um, to spices and herbs in um, uh, the direction of using them more consistently, um, which is diversity. We need more diversity in our diet. Um, And we have a little bit of an illusion of diversity, unfortunately. Um, You know, we have very few crops that we actually consume. We have a a very narrow window of genetic information coming in, even through our fruits and vegetables, right? So for example, you know, most of the the brassicas, the cruciferous vegetables, they Mm -hmm. have very similar genetics. Um, And so that's what I mean by this illusion of diversity. You know, we say, oh, well, I'm eating broccoli and cauliflower and cabbage and kohlrabi and whatever else, Um, but they're not that different genetically. Um, Whereas when we bring in these herbs and spices, we're bringing in completely different genetic codes that Mm -hmm. provide us a vast amount of diversity within our diet that our body really thrives on, that our microbiome thrives on. Right. And so that's one of the most simple ways that we can create more genetic diversity within our diet is to bring in the herbs and spices. They don't it doesn't require a lot of them as far as quantity is concerned, but it does require the consistency. Right. So um, when you look at any Ayurvedic recipe, it's usually going to be three quarters of it are various spices. So don't be intimidated by that. Use the ones that you're familiar with that you have on hand now. If you don't have one or two, that's okay. Right. You can get familiar with it. Start Um, to add to your collection. That's right. Yeah. Just slowly but surely start to bring in more and more spices to bring in more of that genetic diversity to really keep disease at bay and to allow yourself to live your best life. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate this, Mary Alice. It is just so wonderful. And it's always so great to talk to you. Likewise. And we will, yes. And we will figure out another time that we can continue this conversation. Definitely. Sounds you know where to find me. I do. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I will talk to you very soon. It sounds good. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you would like to experience healing or give the gift of healing to another, please go to my website, www.hamsaholistichealingandayurveda.com or email me at sherry at hamsaholistichealing.com or you can contact me on Facebook, Sherry Burjanski. I offer Ayurveda consultations, Reiki energy healings, reflexology and Ayurveda foot massage, angel card readings, and much more. If you found this podcast helpful, please share an episode so that we can spread this wonderful wisdom of healing. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
Until next time, take care. Namaste.